0: Though it hurts to go away, it's impossible to stay, but there's one thing I must say before I go. Borak Thong Earthlets, my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Jason. This is the third episode of Space Spinner Reaction, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own classic comic action, three episodes at a time, or three issues at a time, I should say. This time, we're covering action for March and April 1976, issues seven through nine. This episode, Dredger fights the Russians, um, Hellman heads to Africa, <laughs> Hookjaw takes down a plane, <laughs> and a coffin sub crashes into the sunset.
1: <laughs> oh man in a spectacular fashion
0: so i i i, I love the end of, of coffin sub where he's just standing as the water floods and he's like i'm coming boys you know <laughs> but i mean, put it off for a year but it, it
1: finally came yeah, it came home so absolutely. we'll get to that soon yeah
0: let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves because <laughs> first we got to talk about a different war a Cold War in the 1970s. It's Story One, Dredger.
1: I mean, it's not so cold when dredgers in uh, in play.
0: Oh, dang! <laughs> yeah. So the writers, uh, Kelvin Gosnell, and a group of super spies has escaped from prison and. Like, the head of the cops is talking to Breed, and he's like, they don't want any Glamour Boy spies interfering, but luckily, they've got out.
1: <laughs> First time I think I'd ever see... would I ever think anybody would refer to uh, Dredger as... Glamour or boy.
0: Well, I think that's the thing is that Dredger's clearly not a, a glamour boy because he's, like, eating a sandwich or something when the uh, when the cop shows up. Um,
1: he's like, taking one of his mini naps. Yeah, I, definitely. He's very fond of those.
0: Indeed. So uh, they pile into this car and drive out. Dredger breaks every traffic rule, including do- jumping a traffic circle to catch up with them. Uh, A shootout between the two cars ends when Dredger is able to, like, sneak ahead and, like, trigger the gas pedal of the car that these crooks are hiding behind. makes it sort of drive away, leaving them out in the open.
1: I mean, brilliant move, really. Like, uh, hiding behind a moving object is, is, uh, I guess, pretty dicey. So, way to point that out, Dredger.
0: Definitely. Uh, Suddenly, though, a plane flies overhead, and as these crooks get away, Dredger stops two of them from escaping before they can board the plane, but despite daringly grabbing onto the side of the plane as it takes off, it manages to escape with the final super spy. The cop is disappointed, but then we learn that this whole thing was a ruse and the escape guy is actually a double agent.
1: Way to, way to show that cop, I guess.
0: Man, I knew Dredger wouldn't let some dude just escape him like that. He's unbeatable.
1: I just, I do like this, I, I'm confused by this one line, mm-hmm. because the cop... Criticizes Dredger for all the skyscape and mm-hmm. Dredger goes, Who's this Flatfoot think I am? James Flamen Bond? Is that a compliment to James Bond? A diss on J- like what I you think saying? it's
0: I think it's maybe a compliment where he's saying, like, yeah, well like James Bond always succeeds, but that's because he's a fictional super spy, not a real super spy like me, Dredger.
1: <laughs> but then they show in the next cell that they succeeded like a fictional super spy, which he oh, is. Yeah. Which it Who gets, knows? <laughs> I stored him off the scent, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, next up, a man desperately dials his phone to reach Dredger, but then the phone explodes. It's awesome. It's the Hong Kong connection. So, Breed and Dredger investigate. They lo- they're looking for a ch- the Chinese missile plans that this guy was holding, but they don't find anything. Though uh, Dredger does get a chance to pull out, s- or the, no, sorry, though Dredger does manage to steal the dead bodies, uh, watch, cash, and cufflinks. And
1: not unnoticed by Breed, but Breed, I guess, wisely keeps these thoughts to himself.
0: Yeah, you don't want to make a big deal about it, man. He's angry. (laughs) As they walk out on the street, they get attacked by a a Kanang throwing blade, which is basically like a razor-sharp CD that that, uh, some guy throws at them.
1: (laughs) And Breed shows himself to be the most confident that I think Breed has ever been. Like, he doesn't just use his words. He actually saves Dredger and takes out the attacker. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever seen him actually manage to complete all three actions within yeah, two with panels.
0: Rare competence from Breed, for sure.
1: <laughs> is he coming into his own?
0: Maybe. They get on board a ship. Dredger uses a racial slur, which is always awesome. Um, aboard a ship. They're headed out of Kong- Hong Kong where they're attacked by a Chinese gunship. And Dredger dives overboard. Breed's taken captive and beaten up to get the missile plans, but he doesn't have them. And as he's getting beaten, Dredger's uh, surfaces, climbs aboard the ship, cleans his gun, and then starts attacking the That's soldier.
1: Spends more than four minutes underwater without being detected. And then spends another minute cleaning his gun. I guess in just a minute, which is, I I can't speak really fast. Yeah, Meanwhile, Breed's getting his ass whooped,
0: and I mean, I guess he's got to clean it so that it'll fire and stuff like that. Like, I guess it won't shoot yeah. if it's if it's uh, wet. So it's a rare moment of reality in these things as well. Um,
1: I thought that scene was actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Like the, like, and but but Bree just watches him clean his gun and just takes the ass whoop in the. Yeah, doing, I mean that's Bree once again. This is like. He's kind of stepping up. Like I've yeah. I not taken him to be a particularly <laughs> tough guy, and he's just like, yeah. "Nope, I mean, but take my lumps." This is great. Yeah. Right.
0: I mean, you know, he's got his—he's got his—he got his like title and like part in this job. Honestly, I think like so he's got like his own super spy credentials, I suppose. But then, uh, Brie, uh, uh, dredger shows up and kills all the rest of the soldiers, gunning them down. And then he, but he runs out of bullets to kill the eighth one, so instead he uses that kanang thing to cut his throat.
1: With an amazing line. He says it's a real pain in the neck.
0: Oh, my God. Um, they head out, and Breed's, like, bummed that they weren't able to get the, uh, the plans for the missile. But then uh, Dredger reveals that the uh, dude's watch that he stole, actually, if you press a button, it'll tick a code that will explain the pl- the uh, the plan. So they actually did succeed. And, of course, Breed notices that uh, Dredger didn't. Um, leave like, like also, like say that. Oh, yeah, and also this money in cufflinks is for stuff. Now he's keeping those just for grins. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and once again, wisely to himself. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. you want, Dredger.
0: That's how it goes. Uh, Breed and Dredger are cornered in a mountain cabin on the Russo-Finnish border, and things are getting tough. Especially when they find out that there's tunnels under the house, and the Russians are sending dudes unto- through them to attack um, Breed and Dredger. Although it's bad for the first guy because he gets a freaking bear trap right to the face. Nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, hell of a scene.
0: Face this full of got bear
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's pretty good. Um, with some fresh grenades and a couple bullets, they resolve to go out fighting the Russians' advance. Dredger, like, uh, the, the house is coming apart and Dredger actually, like, uses a crowbar to just drop the wall on the Russians as they attack.
1: Meanwhile, they're tossing grenades around like candy in this house that's yeah. apparently collapsing. I mean, it's you know. yeah.
0: They know what they're but doing. You gotta do what you, yeah, you <laughs> have to, do you gotta <laughs> to survive. Yeah. They take some troops hostage and make a deal like, oh, like we got these troops. You got to let, let us, us go. go. And the Russians say yes. But then they plan to double cross Dreen Bredger and they shoot them. But it turns out that it's a double, double cross. And all those guys were Russian troops. And Breed Dredger snuck up behind them. The rest of the troops died of grenades, and our heroes are able to grab a truck and escape to freedom! Hooray! Woo!
1: Still in the car that the enemy is in. It's gonna be a theme.
0: Hey, good, good, uh, good grenade use here. I really appreciate it. Next time on Dredger, the dirtiest way to die. <laughs> I'm excited to see what the dirtiest way is. I got to say fun. Just, you know, action spy stuff here. Always fun with um Dredger and all those guys. I,
1: I'm going to predict mud. I think they're going to go literally dirty this oh, time nice. around. I'm excited to they see. Like, yeah, let's they like let, to throw that word
0: around. So. Definitely, let's uh let, let's mark it down and see just how we how the dirtiest way to die goes out. <laughs> Yeah. And speaking of uh, heroes of questionable value, it's uh, <laughs> story two, Hellman of Hammer Force. I feel like I always use that transition, but that's just how it goes. It's <laughs> like a boy. Yeah. Uh writer Jerry Finley Day, artist Mike Dory. So the <laughs> uh the invasion of Crete, Jason, which you know, that island in the uh, in the Mediterranean, is uh, being done by plane, not by panzers. But Hellman asks to come along as an observer and they say, Okay.
1: I'm surprised I didn't find a way to just like shove the tanks through the water. Yeah, at this point. you just
0: put some wings on those tanks and glide them in, man. It's fine. <laughs> also, lots of plane action
1: in this. Uh, this yeah, episode. Yeah, uh, that's so true. are going to see this over and over.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> they're heading in on a plane-dragged gliders. Um, they're dropping from the sky, but they're being picked off by British field guns. With the pilot dead, Hellman takes control of the glider, and pilots it straight for that field gun, slicing the gunners up with the wings of the glider. It's cool.
1: Only after about three or four references to the fact that these things must be harder to just pilot than a tank. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> They did not waste time on that foreshadowing as far as just throwing him into the thick of, like, one of these things. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's definitely like, oh, like, these are better than your tanks, blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) helmet just be like, what? Like, you add an extra, you added a Z-axis, and suddenly it's all complicated. Like, controls are controls, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Some British tanks roll in, and one is taken out by a Panzerfaust, which is basically like a single-shot anti-tank bazooka kind of thing. Um, but when two more arrive, Hellman and his buddies are able to commandeer the uh, destroyed and flaming British tank and use it to shoot one of the Brit- the other British tanks and ram the other, setting it on fire. The airborne can then hold their position and Crete, and the invasion of Crete is successful. Thanks, like eighty percent to uh, Hellman of Hammercore. <laughs>
1: what a wild scene! So does the. Is the uh, bazooka basically meant to just knock out the people operating the tank? That's I'm what surprised it, yeah. by how well it functioned after... They exploded it.
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure that the way it would actually work, yeah, it would be like to maybe blow a hole in the side or mess up the track or something like that. But in this case, it definitely seems to have set it on fire and killed everybody inside instantly, you know?
1: Does it also mean that Helmut's just sitting on a pile of corpses when he's operating this thing?
0: I, I gotta think that, like, maybe he pushes the body aside as he gets in the chair. But There's like, not
1: a lot of space in there. Yeah,
0: I'm imagining it's pretty gross in that in that thing, because it's also on fire, you know? <laughs> like yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Anyhow, it is, yeah, it is Hellman. He knows what he's doing. Similarly, in 1941, this comic changes name to Hellman of the Africa Corps, as we see the Panzers being moved to North Africa by Italian ships, and Hellman has to like pull a gun on these Italian dock crews to make them continue unloading during an air and an, an uh, air raid. Those it cowardly
1: Italians, really. No. <laughs> How dare they want to avoid bombs from the sky.
0: I can't stress enough, there's a lot of of uh, rough Italian stuff in Hellman now.
1: <laughs> also, they just never resolve this airstrike. Like, everybody nope. panics, and then yep. they just cut to driving across the desert now.
0: That's right, so. yeah. <laughs> he, get, he gets an Italian guide who is both lazy and complacent, and has his driver, like, speed up ahead of the tank formation to, like, freak Hellman out or something. But they head straight into a British ambush. Oh man, these Italians
1: are almost as bad as the Greeks in the last episode.
0: Seriously, but now they're on our side if we're the Nazis. Um, Hellman manages to board a fallen <laughs> motorcycle and blast the dunes to some nearby quicksand swamps, which the Brits fall into. Trapped in the sand, they have to surrender, and Hellman looks like a real cool dude when he presents himself to the Desert Fox himself, Field Marshal Erwin Rommel. Oh yeah.
1: So Hellman manages to use the terrain that he is brand new to of that day against the people that have been staging strikes out of it for months?
0: Yeah, he looked at a map, he he saw a palm tree on the map, and then saw a palm tree in real life, knew it was the same place, and knew to use his motorcycle skills to jump uh say uh, a quicksand swamp but then like trick the brits into driving into it he's good he knows what he's doing uh. who were completely unaware of it
1: despite the fact that they have apparently been plaguing german and italian forces here for a long time yep
0: absolutely it's, yeah
1: cool <laughs> glad i understand now thanks yeah no
0: I, I'm, I'm glad i cleared it up uh <laughs> the Africa Corps prepares to attack a British airfield, but the uh, Sirocco, the desert wind, is changing directions, and a sandstorm is blowing in, uh, driving blind. The Panzers are begin their assault on the air on the airstrip just as the sandstorm leaves, catching the Brits unaware. With the strip taken, Hellman calls in for German planes to land, not knowing a British officer is still free, like in the attic, with a radio.
1: What <laughs> just say one of those is this one of those lazy italians he sent up that just looked at, looked once and was like yeah it's clear
0: i mean it's either that or maybe like the uh, german troops just you know they're good with tanks but not with buildings you know uh, oh
1: buildings are confusing i that's mean right.
0: they're 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 yeah. much larger generally uh, yeah so. that's
1: why they sent Hellman to deal with the lighthouse that one time it makes key. sense
0: you know i i don't know how her german high command works <laughs> As transport planes arrive, British fighter jets too, and it's a war in the skies. Um, Eventually, they're able to sort of, like, land the planes and put the fires out. And Helman realizes the truth and catches that British guy. Um, But before he can accept his surrender, the Brit is killed because Gottlieb Kastner, that SS guy, has returned. (sighs)
1: Somehow wasn't caught as... One and a half planes were destroyed.
0: It's tough. Um, it was yeah. meant to be. It's that jerk Nazi, and his jerk Nazi attitude gets the Britisher killed. This war is turning dirty. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: war is getting dredger.
0: Yeah. Is my new word for dirty. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, next time, uh, Hellman is in a showdown with the Nazi killer. And there's an interesting, um, like, punctuation here, because it could be with the, like, Nazi killer beating the Nazi who is a killer or a showdown with the guy who kills Nazis. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is so perfect for Hellman, because that is constant of the line that he is straddling. Is he against the Nazis, or is he working for the Nazis? I guess both, all the time?
0: I mean, it's literally <laughs> like certain uh, modern politicians who are willing to do, who will go along with the agenda, even if they don't like certain people's tones in that agenda, if you take my meaning.
1: yeah. Um, I think I see where you're just starting out here.
0: Indeed. Anyhow, um, speaking of, um, I guess, unusual people coming to success, it's story three, Blackjack. <laughs> uh, writer John Wagner, artist Trigo. Anyhow, um, yeah, man, Blackjack. He's a fighter, he's a boxer, and he's going blind, and he's really good at beating people up. Um, he's desperate to move up the ranks before he goes fully blind. So he goes into a second fight in a night against um, a, a guy named Kid Hector
1: who's apparently also really fast, quick, I guess like kind of a, it seems like a really like kind of a mirror matchup, right?
0: Yeah. It definitely seems like these two guys have similar strengths, but blackjack is just superior despite the fact that he's tired. Um, and you know, going blind a little bit, but luckily he's actually managed to use the fact that like Hector knows that he fought before and stuff to his advantage because Hector gets cocky and, uh, blackjack catches him sleeping essentially. Um, he actually hits Hector so hard that he goes flying out of the ring, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that's
1: a hell of an uppercut. Seriously,
0: like that. that's like a like a Mike Tyson's punch out level of uppercut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you get to see here, like, not just his speed, but, like, the raw power they've been talking yeah. about. Like, in the second fight of the night, too. So Definitely. there's just, like, some crazy reserves on this guy. Yeah.
0: During the fight, Big Bill Yancey um, is worried about Hector because he's got an undefeated streak and asks Blackjack to take a dive. Or he won't do fight in New York again. But Solly and Jack both reject that completely. Um, they put, uh, because to, as um, in retaliation, that some liniment is put on Hector's gloves, which blinds him when he's punched. But when he eventually Blackjack fights until his vision clears and again punches Hector out of the ring, he wins. After the fight, uh, Yancey's pissed, but he also likes Jack's moxie, so he offers him a contract. Jack is worried but has no other cho- choice, so he takes the deal.
1: Hey, business business first, right?
0: I mean, you know, it's dirty stuff. You know, it's a dredger in those uh, um, in the in those fight circles. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so. We cut to Blackjack watching film of his next opponent, Jake the Bull Lamorta. Clearly, like Jake Lamada of a uh, raging bull fame. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, 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 they're doing it. We'll, we'll, we'll see some of that later, you know, Blackjack too. But before mm-hmm. the fight, they have to do publicity. So Blackjack goes to like a night, a local nightclub, and sings a song. And then yeah, what like- is
1: this? Like-
0: Really I, comes out of nowhere real, like, I'm, like, squinting at this comic real hard for just being like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can sing. I'm Blackjack. That's right. Um.
1: Yeah, I'm having some feelings about him just being like, oh, you can entertain, boy. Come on and sing. And <laughs> See, <that> just-
0: <laughs> strong agree, dude. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Yancey gives him, like, a poem to read, and it's basically some uh, M- Muhammad Ali style, like, float like a butterfly stuff. Um but sting also like
1: nightgale sting like a bee. Yeah, and <laughs> it's uh they don't try very hard. <laughs> no.
0: But it's also very insulting to LaMorta, who happens to be in the crowd of this nightclub. He walks yes. up and socks Jack in the face and it's in all the papers, but Jack's pretty pissed at being played for a fool like this.
1: I mean, I gotta say, when you got a bone shard digging into one of your optic nerves, just getting set up to get punched in the face is probably yeah. pretty upsetting. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, seriously, man, it's ridiculous. Um, so <laughs> Jack works hard because he's super pissed at everybody involved. He like, you know, kills like two sparring partners in the course. Of- no, he like, <laughs> he's like his uh, his <laughs> his trainers get worried that he's training too hard because he's so angry. Um, but Jack is just sort of conceited, like, he's starting to get really worried because his eyes are getting worse as he goes. Um,
1: well, he- I'm a little amused that he does have the his name tag on his uh, helmet piece that just says Blackjack.
0: Yeah, listen, he's got custom gear, like, whatever. <laughs> In case anybody forgets who he is, you know. Yeah, well, you know, like, hey, that one's mine. How do you know? Like, 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 read it, buddy. Who else is Blackjack? Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> The fight begins and Jack comes out fast, dropping a bunch of blows on LaMorta, even making him bleed. But LaMorta's just getting started. Jack's hardest punches have barely phased him. So Blackjack goes swinging away. Jake's taking these punches real easily. If Blackjack wants to win, he'll have to wear LaMorta down. But his eyes are starting to get blurry.
1: Like, this is a this is very interesting. Like contrast to the last fight, where the raw power Blackjack has is yeah. really not. In that like, one, he really was strong
0: much. enough yeah, to eject Hector out of the ring. With this one, like he's fast, but he's all but be, like like it usually is. Like his his speed lacks in power, and so it's not enough to really put lamorta away. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> eventually, it seems like he's tiring up and. And Blackjack's in a place where he could win, but he's nearly blind. Only the fact that he knows that Lamorta likes to bull rush um, saves him because he's just sort of reaches out, hoping he'll find his target. Luckily, he does, and he lands a, a quick combination, and down goes Lamorta. Blackjack wins. His, yeah, it's uh, a
1: very interesting move, just like letting him come to the punch. Like I just put my fist where Lamorta needs to be. And... And,
0: yeah, it's very the uh, it's very like how. In, like, a, a, a children's fantasy movie, the hero kills his first person. We just hold the sword out, and the person sort of skewers themselves on it. But right. pu- both But with punching. Um, anyhow. <laughs> Blackjack's next opponent is Joe Fairman. That's right. Um... Slightly different than George – or, sorry, Joe Fairman instead of George Foreman. All right. But uh, he's not sure how long he can keep going on. Next time, if Baron wins, he'll never fight again. Oh, no. Indeed. But uh, good fights here, man. I'm liking – you know. It's interesting to see a boxing comic, and I'm sort of digging like Blackjack just beating these dudes up and stuff like
1: that. Well, I just like I like the I think I feel like the opponents he's facing are getting a little more like complexity and depth than the early mm. ones where it was just like here's a funny name and yep. like two panels like the the the, scene, the fights were just like basically two panels and it was a bunch of the social stuff and like now they're getting a little like the, they're the fights are spanning multiple comics and like there's a lot more depth to the fights there's things that he has to like work through like beyond just like finish it quickly or i go blind i mean that's yeah. still obviously a heavy element but like he's actually having a very strategy and and come with something different each fight it, it actually feels like there's more weight to the fights than when he was england hmm. uh, yeah and so it's, it, i don't know it's yeah it's i feel like they're diving a little more into the boxing side of things which is pretty interesting and i, I enjoy it
0: yeah i agree i think that's cool absolutely and, uh, speaking of, uh, successful sports stars, I suppose it's, a uh, story four, play till you drop. Oh boy. Uh, writer Ron Carpenter, artist Barry Mitchell. So, uh, you know, last time we left, Alex Shaw was beat or Alex Shaw was being, uh, shunned by his own team because they think that he, uh, killed, so- he killed a teammate last time.
1: I mean that's a pretty good reason to shun somebody. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So he's trading on his own and when an errant an errant shot hits a teammate and leads to a fight, his coach says basically now he's thinking about putting Alec on the uh, on the transfer list and trading him.
1: To be fair, with somebody as accurate as Alec Shaw is, and yeah. the fact that it's in response to his teammate Walking off the pitch because he's pissed at him. You gotta think it's a little deliberate.
0: You you know it's hard to buy that it's that's one hundred percent accidental. Um, also, these rumors are hurting his endorsement deals, which is real tough. And so, uh, evil journalist grice has to show up and accuse just sort of a random whatever mysterious person on the street, which which clears Shaw's name pretty quickly.
1: And no one finds the suspicious in nope. the least.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Okay, whatever. Um, the next game, oh, okay. well, Alex. It, so. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever, man. That guy's not obviously evil. <laughs> the next game, Alex scores a hat trick and he's back on his game. But man, he's getting pretty pissed about Grace and the blackmail. Um, we cut to later in the day when Shaw goes to pay Grice the blackmail, but is angry about it. He like braces Grice and Grice has to call in one of his goons, which Ale- who Alex successfully beats up. But then he pulls a knife and Grice is like, all right, enough of this, blah, blah, blah. Um,
1: yeah, Alex is getting a little, a uh, little ballsy. He's getting pushed to the edge here. He's yeah. uh, lashing out more and more.
0: <laughs> Bla- yeah, blackmail-y on the edge.
1: <laughs> but still doesn't actually do anything about it. Nope. Which,
0: yeah, just feels bad. Um... <laughs> At, uh, at the next game, Alec learns that the prize for the top scorer is uh, five thousand pounds, and he's he really wants to win it. But he's so eager to do so that he misses a goal, and then he's basically forced to pass to another player to score to ensure that the team wins the game. This kind of keeps happening, and in the end, Alec te- Alec's teammate Stan pulls ahead in the goal scoring leader because even though he's getting blackmailed and stuff, he remains a good teammate and is mostly interested in uh his team like going to the championship and stuff like that you know
1: but you you say remains but i do think this is the first comic in which he actually places the team's interests ahead of his own
0: okay yeah fair enough but you know i mean that's sort of the (laughs) the the point we're trying to make with this comic that's what i'm trying to say (laughs) right it's like they finally acknowledge like oh wait we
1: alec isn't necessarily coming across as like an
0: actual yeah maybe maybe we should make him less of like a of like an owned coward here
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh also the uh the warning shot that grice fires in the paper with which is interesting that the paper gave him space to just basically put this i heard a rumor
0: yeah he's got a blind (laughs) item entry i guess (laughs) um So, Alec's doing a ton of ads, and uh, his sponsors ask him to wear a pair of fancy new boots for the uh, next soccer match, so they haven't been broken in and stuff. Before the next game, Grice asks Alec, uh, or visits Alec, and orders him to lose the match. This
1: Which is what started this whole thing in the first place, <laughs> essentially, right? The, the, the accusation about his dad. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. Go out there and do the thing that your father did that I'm blackmailing you for, or I'll blackmail you! <laughs> <laughs> um, comes full circle. Indeed, this rubs out the wrong way, but as the match goes on, it seems like Alec is in fact playing to playing along. He misses a couple easy scores, but it turns out that this is all because he had to wear those new shoes because once he gets his old ones on, he starts scoring. He gets 4 goals in the whole game. The team wins, and Grice is pissed. Next time, Grice tries to sell his dirty story to the papers. I find
1: that interesting the, the saying tries here. Because yeah. he made it sound like he had it lined up. Right. It's an, inter- yeah, it's an interesting things. point.
0: We're getting towards the end of Play Till You Drop, I'll mention. I believe it will end next episode.
1: Yeah, I was um, starting to wonder where this is gonna be able to go because this it's, is not a thing that could be kept up. No yeah it's
0: definitely a story that sort of inherently has a limited shelf life so you know yeah just so you know. Um, anyhow now that we finished this let's begin the second half of our, of our podcast with uh, non-stories covers editorials action man and money man
1: root, root. we get to see some letters soon
0: yeah yeah we're starting to get them in yeah uh, issue 7 has a very sports based cover with uh, you know play till you drop, sports not for losers and blackjack making an appearances plus Magnum Force and the money man plus, and, and hook jaw because you got to have that hook jaw. Um, <laughs> inside we see Steve McManus trying out using a fire hose probably from the uh, like something else he did when he was at that when he went up, up on that fire ladder in a previous issue. There's a Superman kite for under a quid and money man is headed to Reekie, which is what they call uh, Edinburgh in Scotland.
1: So yeah. About that kite, so interesting, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit. Like, I see yeah. like they have more advertising for like other comics and other stuff now. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting because they mentioned comic characters from a, a, a very popular franchise in this, and like, is it just that the, they're not competing with these comics, or I, I see, think they I are.
0: No, they're they're definitely <laughs> like all these guys are competing. They're all putting things out, but I feel like they also sort of, you know selling like they don't they also but they aren't competing in like cheap kites i guess
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so yeah. maybe they feel and, and like you have to acknowledge like superman like that the existence of superman to an extent you can't just say it doesn't really exist you know
1: sure but, you can you guys you got athletes who uh, are the real superheroes whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but i think generally like you know they they, they don't re- like as i've read like 2080 and stuff they really don't really talk about the other guys that much They'll just mm-hmm. sort of mention it now and then, or make sort of an offhanded comment or something. Okay, um, yeah, but it is kind of funny that they're sort of selling another uh, a comic book, like a, a non-affiliated comic book thing here for sure. Um, Mid issue, we meet Neil Adams, a judo expert, and one of these few one of the few guys that was actually really successful um, in his chosen sport that we've seen in the in, in the show so far. He'd go on to win silver in both the 1984 and, or 80 and 84 Olympics in judo and gold in a bunch of other uh, championships around the, in, in Europe and around the world. And he's like now – he got knighted. He's like a knight for oh, wow. like his judo ability and stuff, which is kind of cool. I um, got
1: to admit I, I got a little um, off-put by his interview where he basically talks about enjoying strangling people and – Breaking a couple competitors' arms and
0: listen, you know you got to have the killer instinct, buddy. <laughs> it's judo. I mean, all of the oh, that's ex- true. Ex- Maybe ex- you ex- pet- pet- don't I've have to. I personally met. <laughs> yeah, have been pretty like. It inexactual. actually seems like the opposite <laughs> instinct of what you want in judo. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs>
1: <laughs> to subdue, not to like kill. But he, I think the word kill comes up multiple times in his interview. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, man, that's how uh, that's where he gets ahead, I suppose.
1: Um, yeah, I and mean, got, got him some medals so that's
0: right yeah also uh the bay city rollers are um the twits of the week come on irene um uh yeah but you know basically they're twits of the week because girls like them and i don't um, there's more action man this issue as steve drives a double decker bus and we got some tips for penalty kicks um there's then uh, this issue ends with the rules for Magnum Force, and it seems very complicated, as well as the final rounds of some game cards and stuff. Um, I did learn okay. that GEPO, which I was confused about last episode, is the uh, East German Intelligence Agency.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I've got some... Uh game design thoughts about some of these cards but we'll save that for a time when we can actually dive deeper on this game
0: listen we gotta get all of the we gotta get this and there's a couple like card and board games from 2000 ad together and like try to play them and figure out how it all works for sure
1: oh yeah that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah
0: issue eight breed and dredger are the main cover this week killer takes all
1: (laughs) is it um They cover interesting, especially for, I think, 8 and 9 is interesting. They go with this more, like, realistic.
0: Yeah, they've got a different artist doing it than, like, the actual guy inside and stuff like that. It definitely has a different look, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting take because, like, I, I will admit, the covers up to this point have been a bit of a mess, except for, I think, the, a couple of really cool Hookjaw covers. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like this this take on this. I hope we get to see some more explored in this style for the various characters. Yeah, I like, think so. I want to see a Hookjaw one
0: man, just, in this style. I just want <laughs> Hookjaw to be on every cover, like, more than anything I, else. That's Jeez. fair. Just, nothing draws me in like a murder shark, I gotta say. <laughs> but
1: that space went to announcing the final shock episode of Up this time, so...
0: Yay! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Inside, Money Man's heading to Reading this week, and we're starting to get some letters, like you said, um, including one that's, like, from a girl saying, like, don't say this is the best boys comic, because girls read it too, you jerks. Which oh. I
1: love, because after that point I have I think I have yet to see a reference where they call it the comic for boys again
0: yeah it's interesting it because yeah. comic
1: for like the comic for like the tough comic for tough people and the comic of the 70s but I think they actually like the only boys' references come from the letters after this point. Like they actually interesting. I think make the adjustment. Oh, I mean, we'll see what. The yeah, yeah. Let's but let's, let's keep an eye stuff. out
0: for it too. I th- I think that's a cool thing to check out. I mean, they're definitely like at this point in England, like boy and girl comics are vi- like both exist and are heavily like like segregated almost. Right. Like they like you know at this point kids would be like uh, girls would be reading like Misty or like Bella at the Bar or just other sort of like these girl comics. Um, like specifically, like they all like just like action all stars guys. They all star like uh, girls and like honest. But honestly, from what I've read, they are actually have pretty like involved plots and stuff in the way that sometimes boy comics don't. <laughs> like there's a what? lot of like there's a lot of incident and like it's actually like some of the guys that are writing. here in action like pat mills and john wagner and stuff actually came out of like girl comics and are sort of bringing like what we're reading here is them bringing like the girl comic sensibility of like how much you put in a story and how much like a storyline advances and stuff um into sort of boys comics in action here which is i think it's an interesting thing
1: yeah i think you see that in the comics like the sports not for losers and the running man where
0: yeah i'd say so uh, yeah
1: This kid is absolutely my hero, I just have to say. (laughs) I think, like I said, I think she actually gets them to change, which is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. So next up, uh, we see uh, that Malcolm Allison, a flamboyant football manager, is Twitter of the week. Um, We're starting a series called Maniacion, which has these ridiculous Rube Goldberg devices, sort of like drawn in a comedic style. Uh, I guess I'm pretty
1: excited about the potential for this I I can't wait to see I hope that we get some submissions from readers Yeah they're very
0: fun and like the art has sort of a Don Martin in a Mad Magazine kind of look to them Uh, Mm -hmm. This one has a machine that automatically chews your food for you so you can be on the go It's duck powered dude which is cool (laughs)
1: <laughs> like a furry duck and yeah. I, I do love uh, that they give a warning that it may in fact cause like horrible food poisoning because there's no right, just, for the duck
0: yeah duck just cra- crapping everywhere basically um yeah <laughs> Uh, mid-issue there's more no all trivia and a blowpipe glider for under a quid And then at the end of the issue Action Mouse manages to sty- tie Steve McManus in a knot With his deadly ping-pong uh, serve Although he already had one arm tied behind his back Also, oh, Action Mouse full-on talks now He talks and interacts with the real-world action team Which is very interesting
1: his superpowers continue to expand. Last time, it was just getting insight into his thoughts after yep. being completely silent, and and yeah, now he's actually interacting with you know the as creators. he learned,
0: as he learns more of our world, he gains the ability to interact with it. I guess <laughs>
1: I'm a little scared of this mouse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's also an ad for this comic called Whoopi, which has some really great uh, celebrity car- caricatures by uh, 2000 AD artist Ron Smith. His style is really. Um, instantly recognizable to me, and it's cool to see them draw, like, sort of, like, random 1976 famous people. <laughs> <laughs> then this issue ends with a bunch of different sports things happening in April that you can go see. There's, like, soccer, kendo, boxing, horse stuff, all kinds of things.
1: Which you can go to with your dad, because that's who likes sports.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's and it's definitely all over England, so you're <laughs> gonna need your dad to take you to some of them, for sure. <laughs>
1: Oh, and may, may I just say, I, we don't normally talk about them, but I got super excited because for once, I knew what the Guess What panel was before the oh, next shit. comic. Oh, <laughs>
0: shit. What, what was it?
1: It was Toothpaste, ah. but this is also one of the only Guess What's where they give you a hint, and so I did mostly get it from Context of the Hit, and I was really sad that there's no hint in issue nine. Oh, man.
0: Guess what's so weird? Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> in issue nine, it's King Panzer as Hellman takes the cover, leading the good, the bad, and the ugly rolling in. Uh, this week, Steve is me- is talking about action T shirts, and I believe they have dredger on them. They don't really give you a super good look at them.
1: Yeah, it's a little hard sell.
0: Yeah, but it's uh, it a very of you- dynamic. Definitely, and it's one of the new rewards for letter writers and stuff. Um, there's also a letter from a kid writing in cursive. They like show you his letter, and he talks about playing clarinet in bed a bunch of letters including one that agrees with us about uh Hellman being a nazi being a weird choice and this is my second hero yeah <laughs> and they sort of a er- um and like action sort of explains it by saying that they have also gotten a ton of letters generally being like hey i'm tired of these things just being about brits man like why does the english have to win let's have some nazis in here which um i don't know if i would accept that um
1: <laughs> I'm curious to see where they got these. I want to see s- these so-called letters. I have a feeling these guys make a lot of stuff up.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> certainly, certainly possible. Um,
1: <laughs> and we
0: poem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. List, these people are sending stuff in. It's awesome. Later, we get a manic action executive footballer, which is basically a football, a, a soccer machine that's um, a, essentially like a shoe-covered thresher, like on a track. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: This is the only way I play soccer. I have to say, absolutely, yeah. I'm bringing this back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, chewing up the chewing up the field and anything that that gets in the way. Unfortunately, there's no break, so you got to be careful.
1: (laughs) Hey man, gotta live my life.
0: Yeah, later there's a feature on the Money Man in Croydon with a bunch of pictures of like predatory kids with action comics wandering the streets looking for the Money Man. (laughs)
1: These kids look so terrifying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they are hungry for that, like five one to five pounds. Like it's absolutely. the pictures
1: of kids mean mugging random passerby trying to get some <laughs> yeah. money. It's, okay. it's amazing. Are,
0: are you the money man? I'm gonna find them. <laughs> you know, and then just a whole bunch of them all once, like with like the with the money. It's it's pretty funny actually. I love it. Um, <laughs> there's also a uh or um yeah. The Twitter of the week is game show host Huey Green, and you can, for under a quid, you get some cool tank models. There's also a big section on shark facts, although I'll say, like, these is are all... Are things up? Man, like, one, I don't know how true they are, but they all seem very anti-shark. Like, they're like, hey, we know sharks eat fish and humans, but they'll also <laughs> eat, like, seals and stuff. Like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> That's my
1: favorite. I, I was going to call that one out. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Sharky fishing man, you know that's a given.
0: Like, yeah, we all, we all, all the marine biologists when they list like what sharks eat, like yeah, number two is human beings. Absolutely, it's their nat the the man's natural enemy is the shark. <laughs>
1: right the the great the last great enemy of man, which remains unbeaten. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ. Um, also, uh, Steve goes deep into the London sewers in an Action Man story, which seems rough. I don't want to do that. Um,
1: yeah, that sounds terrible.
0: Yeah. And at the end, it turns out that Money Man is not giving money to Action Mouse, so he's got to use a disguise to get some cash from him. But no dice. He sees right through it. <laughs> There's also... His powers
1: come up short. That's the right. The only person with greater powers than uh, Action Mouse apparently is Money Man.
0: Hey, we got to work out this um, you know hierarchy of power within the Action universe, buddy. It's
1: slowly coming clear.
0: That's right. There's also an interview with a 16 year old hockey goalie and some tips for soccer goalies. Good times. Nice.
1: Very goalie centric. Uh, yeah.
0: Very, like, yeah, a lot of goals in these sports here. Yeah. But speaking of uh, untrue shark facts,
1: <laughs> Jason, <laughs> it's, well, it doesn't get truer than this.
0: Oh, man. I mean, it's true in my heart, if not in reality. It's story five hook jaw. <laughs> This gets wild. This yeah. gets real wild. <laughs> Writer Pat Mills, artist Roman Sola, a Coast Guard cutter has arrived to deal with Hook Jaws and Hook jaw, and they're gonna depth charge the whole area, killing every sea creature at like a five mile radius.
1: <laughs> I had a question for you, Conrad. Yeah, is slimy American slang?
0: Um, yeah, it's a specifically like some a uh, derogatory term for a British person.
1: Wow. That is awesome.
0: Yeah, one of those rare uh, white people slurs, you know? Uh,
1: but, yeah. I, could, I have learned something today. I am going to carry that with me in my heart forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: you got call to these, call these Brits limeys. They hate it, I think. Although, I actually don't think they really care. Sort of like when you – like if you call me honky or something. <laughs> but right. it, it's there for the lexicon, you know, for sure. Right. <laughs>
1: But yeah, lots of slurs being thrown around in these three issues, for sure. This yeah, is got, they definitely pulled those out of the woodwork. Definitely
0: <laughs> true, yeah. Um, so, man, the water is chummed, and barrels are dropped, and we get some pretty awesome pictures of shark ex- starts exploding. I'm not going to lie to you about that. Head blown off. Yeah, it's cool. Um, they find the body of a white shark and think it's hookjaw, but buddy, it ain't. He was hiding in his, like, a stone cave during the time.
1: Once again, couldn't tell because its head was blown off.
0: Again, it's awesome. Instead, the massive shark starts attacking the ship, knocking crew into the water. The machine gun on deck has no effect on Hookjaw. And the mighty shark dents the whole of the ship to a point where everybody has to abandon ship.
1: (laughs) It's insane. The the choice between the ship sinking and... It? it takes out like a, a Coast Guard cruiser?
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, Coast yeah. Guard cutter. There's a guy in the deck with like a heavy mounted machine gun still shooting at Hookjaw. Hookjaw jumps in the air and swallows the sailor, machine gun and all.
1: Coolest panel ever. We it's, get a, a, a shot from inside the shark as this person is swallowed along with the machine gun. It's it real is good. intense. And Super you just see intense. Intense. <laughs> what it's a, like Nolly in the background just staring on and in, in shocked. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredible shot.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The Coast Guard are picked up by Navy helicopters, and the uh, and the captain of the of the uh, destroyed ship warns of an incoming hurricane. He suggests abandoning the rig, but McNally says, "No dice."
1: And I'm so mad because look who's silent. The-
0: yeah, Mason's I- not like we got to get out of here, you know. After all of these
1: grand lines about how they have to escape at all costs, and we, t- we theorize about how there's no way out, and what did they do, and escape yeah. and is offered totally, on a silver platter. Yeah. Here is a Navy vessel ready to carry you away into the sky, shark-free, and Mason says nothing.
0: Especially as a hurricane is bearing down. Um, as literally Hookjaw just beat the military. Like...
1: He beat yeah. the navy <laughs> takes out an entire boat full of coast guard who have to be rescued by the navy who are like we're not getting
0: involved yeah we're no we're out of here this out. screw this
1: <laughs> and mason is quiet mm-hmm. i i continue to just be dumbfounded by this character hey man yeah he you... stands in opposition to mcnally and then enables him over yeah. and over
0: you can't be saved if you don't want to save yourself buddy that's a real important rule that everybody's got to learn i think Um, Anyhow, a 727 in the hurricane gets hit by lightning and crashes into the oil, Derek Jason. Screw you, we're doing this.
1: Like I said, it gets wild.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're talking uh, the shark here. It lands in the water. the uh, The flight attendant goes to check on the pilot. The pilot's been eaten out of the cockpit by hook jaw, and then a hammerhead shark gets loose in the passenger cabin and it starts eating people in the aisles too. It's real cool. So
1: much decapitation, so <laughs> the, much disembowelment.
0: The plane starts to sink, and everybody looks through the windows of the plane, and the windows are just full of angry sharks trying to bite their way in.
1: Also, I feel like we meet the most accurate depiction of an American so far in these comics with uh with a
0: rich uh, Rosenheim who's just like, I'm rich, I gotta you gotta get me out of here. I don't wanna hear any excuses. Blah <laughs> blah blah.
1: He gives his name and title, his position in the world, to every single person he meets to tell them to save him first. Yeah. I love this guy. It's good,
0: man. Um, I
1: can't wait to see how he dies.
0: Oh, well, we see it right now. First, Mason. So, like, the uh, the divers from the rig go to try to save the people on the ship. He Mace, uh, Mason has, has the women and children pile near an emergency door then opens it, which causes a bubble of compressed air to go around them and, like, instantly teleport them to the surface, which... It's a pretty wild scene. It's pretty cool. I don't know how real it is, but we should not let that slow us down. Especially because exactly Rose... Exactly
1: as real as exploding from...
0: From the, the- bends? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And Rose and like, no, I should go! Blah, I'm Rose and I, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is amazing, yeah, the rest of the passenger goes goes to swim to the surface, rich jerk Rosenheim freaks out and attacks hook jaw, grabbing his hook and wedging it into his mouth to try to make it so he's doing like that hook kind of thing um doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and as he does this he ends up accidentally basically climbing inside Hookjaw's mouth. Hookjaw closes his jaws and eats all of Rosenheim, but his hand which floats away, it's real cool.
1: <laughs> I just love Mason like swimming around this scene just being like you are really stupid.
0: Yeah, I'm out of here. Back at the rig, McNally's pretty pissed cuz this rig is not big enough to hold all these plane crash survivors. <laughs>
1: Uh, that is, in fact, true, and yeah. it ends in disaster.
0: Right, because we cut to um, the rig under assault from the hurricane as part of it gives way, sending men, women, and children into the sea and the mouths of the waiting sharks below.
1: <laughs> Talk about perfect storm. Like, my goodness. Yeah, hurricane, plane crash, rig falling apart. Rescuees like falling up into the water, eating. Yeah. Prince- These sharks have never eaten so well,
0: man. Yeah, that's changing the whole ecosystem in terms of like how many sharks there are and stuff. There's gonna be a big die-off in like two years' time or right. something. There's just too many sharks. Um, they're gonna start
1: eating each other. They have
0: absolutely. to. Whatever. Yeah, there's nothing left. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all these people five, yeah. God.
0: the rig is uh, losing structural integrity so basically the three remaining dudes on this rig uh mason mcnally and greaser go down to try to fix it as they do mcnally sees hookjaw sleeping in his armored cave and goes to kill it with his dive knife this um, is amazing. He stabs. He tries to stab Hookjaw in the brain, but doesn't go deep enough. And now Hookjaw is awake and angry, which is the worst kind of, which is the worst way for this shark to be.
1: <laughs> but it was such a brilliant plan. Here we are fighting for survival with no support, just yep. clinging desperately to life on this thing that's falling apart. Listen, let me go start a fight with a shark. Yeah,
0: there's no better time to pick, pick. a pick a fight with a murder shark that's killed everybody you've known. <laughs> uh one uh mcnally gets stabbed through the shoulder by the hook but it's greaser that actually gets eaten by him and he's holding an electric welding torch which explodes Hey, I when, mean,
1: we only learned this guy's name, like, last issue, so... Yeah,
0: we've seen him. You know, we've seen him around, but he's definitely, like, you know, at this point, it's just M- Mason and McNally. Um, but, man, Hookjaw uh, is nowhere to be seen after the explosion clears, so uh, he must have died in the explosion, right? Nothing could survive that. It's got to be really? the end of Hookjaw, right? Of course.
1: Once again, as far as themes go in these comics, this assumption that, hey, out of sight, out of mind... This person or a creature is probably dead because I haven't seen them lately.
0: Yeah. It is not the end of Oakjaw. Any-
1: <laughs> but they don't give any preview text this time. They leave mm-hmm.
0: it. No, it's just a leave it g- it on generic action one. Yeah. And speaking of, um, I guess, crazy boat action, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> it's uh, Story 6, Sports Not for Losers. This is uh,
1: a... This Go ahead.
0: Is, yeah, this is a weird one. Uh, weird section of this story for sure. Writer Steve McManus, artist Dudley Wynn. So uh, Dan Walker buys a used pinball machine from what appears to just be like the old ruin parts of the t- of, of the local town. <laughs> you know.
1: Just like any 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 old town, really.
0: I've got you know. I guess maybe they haven't cleaned up from the blitz yet or something. But um, he he takes the pinball machine back to, an, to the abandoned railway car where he and Len are living. He's got all the pinball he wants if he quits smoking.
1: I love that this machine works perfectly just hanging out in these ruins.
0: Yeah, like in both cases, there doesn't seem to be electricity to like pl- plug it in, but who knows? Um, it's
1: only for a pittance. Like, Yeah. Yeah, right, you're right. They're living because <laughs> they're like, homeless, right? Yeah. <laughs> <I forgot. laughs> he just plugs in this pinball machine. Yeah, sure.
0: to like just some old rail car that's just in, abandoned in some random spot in an old uh, unused rail station, too um
1: it's just bad power, sure. yeah
0: len agrees to go down to five cigarettes a day and uh that's uh a, a decent improvement and they, he immediately sees that he's running faster and stuff suddenly a, a car a, a flash car rolls up and it's a rep for an american college boo <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that certainly seems to be Dan's attitude, right?
0: Serious, yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm saying what we're supposed to be thinking. Um, he's like, come run for us. You'll get a full ride and no need to worry about classes. Hey, screw Doesn't you that guys. that actually
1: sounded like an amazing opportunity? Yeah, I, I it's really... It's a college education and...
0: I... Yeah. No, it's really, like, this would change uh, uh, Len and Dan's life, like, for sure. But Dan's a big spoil sport about it. Uh that night, uh Len jumps on the drums at a dance party, which has no effect on anything, and I was really surprised by that, just doesn't come back. It's a slice of life, I suppose. Uh
1: yeah. this is storytelling for you. This is, yeah. this is
0: and uh and at the next illegal track meet, at the okay. next uh one of these illegal track meets, uh black you know, black market uh track meets for blood sport purposes. Um
1: but he's probably been killed the easiest way to apparently avoid it is just to stay ahead of everyone else which exactly. is Len's strategy
0: yeah Len's doing real well but not wanting him to go to America Dan makes the ultimate power move and kisses Len's girl Renee on the cheek oh what a sacrifice Dan. yeah he's sneaking me bird <laughs> Len quits the race, runs out, socks Dan in the eye, and this conduct disgusts the American college rep, which, man, I gotta say, it'd be real nice if this would have continued to disgust American college reps into the 21st century, but oh, whatever. Oh, oh. <laughs> also,
1: it's, this person basically tells him that he'll cheat his cheat him through college, but this is too far. Huh.
0: Oh, yeah. It's because it's in front of the lady. You know, if you if it's off the books and hidden, that's fine, I suppose. Um, Some real,
1: real moral, like, decisions all throughout this issue.
0: I love the end of this part where Len says, Ooh, I'm so angry, I'm going to go vandalize something. <laughs> Which is pretty good. A lot of, like,
1: Len not Consequences of his actions for sure.
0: Len, Len, you know, like the honey badger, Len ain't care for sure. <laughs> Anyhow, or don't care. Um, the uh, the boys later are trying to get to Castletown for this big race, but they can't take the bus because Len has vandalized the seats of the bus and the driver's like, I don't you can't get on the bus, I hate you.
1: What's <laughs> taking consequences of actions.
0: Seriously.
1: Also, apparently they're on great terms again?
0: I mean, they see, yeah, you know, it's a one-time thing. I feel like, you know, you kind of get back in. Plus, you got to expect that from Renee. Like, she's very fickle. I think we've all found oh, out. I,
1: we, we did find that out. We <laughs> should
0: date Those sailors, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, instead, they hop aboard a uh, a barge on a local canal, which has been lent to Len, apparently, um, and they just go take the canal to castle town, I guess it sure, <laughs> um, makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. They punt a bit, uh, using like, you know, the, the stick at the back of the boat. And then, uh, Len gets out and has a rope tied around his waist and pulls the boat a little bit,
1: which is a great way to prepare for apparently a big meet. It's just exhaust yourself.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. They pass a guy having trouble with his Japanese car. which they really seem to find a need to, uh, mention several times. Um, <laughs> And Len goes.
1: Those cars.
0: It's true. Len goes to help and ends up just making a big mess of it, like pulling all the pieces of the uh, of the car out of it and stuff, and just being like a like a real jerk, a, a real car troll. Here, uh, they arrive at the stadium, and the guy who owned that car turns out to be one of the race judges,
1: and managed to get there ahead of him.
0: I guess, or they're they at the same time. I mean, maybe he like when they continued doing the boat thing, he like called a cab or something. Um, but anyhow, uh, they do the race, Len wins, but the judge calls him back and says that he's committed a bunch of, like, race fouls in the course of it, and so he's disqualified. Even though those things didn't happen, oh man, Len wants to punch him, and that's just what this judge wants, so he can, like, send him to juvie, essentially.
1: I mean... Might he have, though, is Len. He is the shortcut king.
0: It's true. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a fair point, but whatever. Everybody's real angry at this judge, and Len and the rest of the runners agree to run the race again, and Len manages to win a second time uh, and follow the rules this time. So he's through to the triple, to the three A's final. Hooray! Woo! You're making it big now. Something, yeah. But when they get back to their, again, abandoned train car house, the cops are there. It's PC Swale! <laughs> Len goes down for stolen property, namely that barge they just used to get to the meet. Um, the magistrates decide to give Len a shock to the system, and so he's sentenced to three months in juvie, essentially, or in a, in a youth detention center, basically. Uh, Who knew there'd
1: be consequences?
0: Ser- yeah, we're actually seeing a... Fi- this is, like, <laughs> honestly, more consequences for people's actions in a comic book than I've, e- I've almost ever seen. Like, it's really a lot's happening here. Um, <laughs> it, uh, but because, like, they want to encourage youths to have, like, fulfilling lives and stuff, um, he will be allowed to leave kid prison to go to these track meets and stuff.
1: Yeah, Warden seems real reasonable. Yeah,
0: Warden seems real nice. Main guard, Mister Bolt, does not, and hits Len in the gut for no reason, and we just basically just get a full-on like prison abuse montage where like you know Bolt makes Len wear a bucket on his head and walk around blind, and he like hits the bucket with his baton and stuff. It's real messed up.
1: Yeah, I think you mean Mister Bolt, sir.
0: Yeah, Mister B- Bolt, sir. <laughs> Anyhow, it's real tough Len walks into a river and he's and it's all real crappy. Next time, Len in the race of his life against Mr. Bolt, sir. I'm
1: very curious about this prison with a river running through it.
0: <clears throat> I mean, I guess because it's a youth detention center, it's, like, reasonably low security, I suppose. But
1: I mean, this is very low security. He stands yeah. on the bank and just has this kid run across the river, and he has nothing but a baton to stop him. Yeah, I, I,
0: it's, I guess it's, just, like, there might be a fence outside of it, and this is just, like, a punishment lake, you know? I don't know how it works in British prison. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to think well- about it. the yeah. punishment lake. That's really disturbing, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, when you put it in those terms, I'm kind of worried. I would not want to end up in punishment lake.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of uh, people living out watery punishments, oh man, (laughs) it's story seven: the coffin sub. Uh, Writer Ron Carpenter, artist the Gilletti Agency. Oh man, we're getting we're ending coffin sub here, man. There's more to go. Yeah, two more. There's a German U boat on the prow, and Captain Kane the Conquest is on edge, especially when they find. A survivor of a destroyed freighter in a life raft, and it looked just like his former first officer. Legas. They go to check it out, but then Kane realizes that it's a booby trap and shoots the dinghy, making it explode.
1: I honestly thought that trap would work on him.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, he's about to have a weird confrontation thing. Um... But knowing that that explosion will cause the German U-boat commander to investigate, the conquest goes, like, gets stealthy on the ocean floor, and then takes out the Nazi sub. They uh, investigate the sub's wreckage as they, like, you know, take the uh, sub-captain prisoner, and it turns out that the body is the brother of Kane's old officer. They got a family resemblance.
1: It's a crazy coincidence. And also, as they point out, these Germans are incredibly well-informed. About his personal history.
0: Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Like, I to do this whole thing, just to take Kane out specifically. Anyhow, you know, Kane yeah. remains haunted by his past, blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> it's like a corpse that resembled another corpse to get in the head of this officer with PTSD to try to blow up his sub. It's crazy.
0: You know, like, listen, this is the kind of war it was. It's a personal war sometimes. <laughs> Seriously, wow. Yeah. So the Germans are being kicked off of Sicily, and the conquest is blowing them up as they go. They leave as the RAF arrives and gets orders to take out some Italian ships on the anniversary of the con- of the uh, conquest's previous accident.
1: It's a weird day for everybody involved. <laughs> it's true. Based on the comments made so far. Totally.
0: <laughs> Kane gives his officer a letter to mail when they next reach port. And the conquest goes against these warships. They t- they uh, take out a bunch, but depth charges are dropped, and the conquest takes damage. Um, eventually, Kane orders the con- the uh, conquest abandoned, but stays behind. He destroys a crippled b- German battleship by ramming it. And as the destroyed sub sinks to the bottom, he goes to meet his dead crew. One final victory under his belt. The end of coffin sub.
1: What a wild in i really truly thought and i mentioned this i think in some earlier issues or mm-hmm. episodes that i thought that there was going to be a redemption arc for this character and then suicide run
0: i mean <laughs> he does also like take out a, a crap load of germans in there but it's true that like that like the standard ending would be that he comes to terms with his past and then becomes a great like living sub commander so it's, it is an interesting choice to have him like take the step and then like basically make a suicidal move and actually die and join his, um, his, his brethren in, um, in, in like a uh, sub heaven or something.
1: Yeah. I have to imagine how much this is motivated by the popularity of this comic. I wonder what kind of, like, feedback they were getting at this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, you know, if you look in the pages, you can see that there's a little coupon thing that you're supposed to cut out and say, like what your top three comics are, and what your least favorite one is. And this one was historically unpopular. So it definitely seems like they got to a point where they started getting feedback. They were like, all right, this is no good. And they just sort of pull the uh, ripcord on it and just get it out of here, you know?
1: Yeah, it's really, I mean, he definitely goes out in a blaze of glory. I had been kind of hoping to see something turn around, see what they would do with it. But as you pointed out, it's just one of the weaker comics probably in
0: the And set, I think so. in, in general, like, having a having this real downer ending is kind of a bold choice also. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no,
1: you're right. I think it it, def- it definitely goes against the grain. Like, it, it defies all expectation. Yeah. He takes a sub... You think, like, I, I'm just curious about him operating this by himself, but that's I mean, you might yeah. the expertise. <laughs> I thought <laughs> subs a
0: little more complex than that
1: <laughs> since they
0: first were invented. Um, I mean, you know, they, they just control, you know, they control just like tanks. That's what I've learned. Everything runs like a tank. It's fine. If you know true. tanks, you can do the rest of it.
1: If Hellman was involved, he'd be able to operate that sub no oh, problem. Oh, yeah.
0: Listen, he'd like to take over England with it, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd not only take out all of those boats with no <laughs> torpedoes climbing through them, but he, and the sub would come out the other end just fine so absolutely yeah <laughs> but not everyone can be Hellman. so no.
0: <laughs> yeah <and> speaking <laughs> of people uh surviving despite the odds oh yeah it's story eight the running man so oh he's right, in it now yeah writer steve McManus, artist lalia um so in chicago uh mike carter and the guy he's hitching with mob goon crazy luigi um, they've gone from Chicago to the Ozarks, so basically due south. Um, when Luigi pulls over, he's having car trouble. And when Mike goes to help, it turns out that it's just a ruse for Luigi to pull out his axe and attack Mike with it.
1: So apparently Brits are just quick to help, try to help fix cars regardless of whether they can or not.
0: It's funny, like, these stories, how these stories... Re- repeat themselves especially because both this one and sports not for losers uh were written by steve McManus. so he very much sort of felt like i feel like he had like one specific thing happening in his mind as this was was going on maybe
1: Um, it's it's pretty interesting yeah like
0: there's certain themes like
1: come up like they're just really in the planes and fixing cars this set i guess
0: yeah uh, <laughs> um luigi attacks as he does he laughs like a crazy tee he laugh which is very kind of disturbing um, he does a lot actually. yeah like <laughs> tee he acts in the face <laughs> yeah but mike is able to throw brake fluid in luigi's face and uh, the two of them roll down a hill fighting Mike escapes into the countryside, and Luigi heads back to his car, first kicking and then murdering a passing dog. Boo! Um,
1: Yeah, that's how you know he's the bad guy.
0: That's right. Suddenly, some redneck-types show up, I guess? I mean, they're in the Ozarks. Like, they're bumpkin-adjacent, for sure. Um, It's a whole hunting party. They're looking for their dog, and Luigi puts the blame on Mike. So... They swear a dog-based revenge, and the whole hunting party, along with Luigi, are after Mike Carter.
1: Yeah, he, these might be the second most accurate Americans I've seen in these comics so ye- far.
0: Yeehaw, indeed. Uh, Mike goes to run. He is, like, escaping their gunshots and stuff. He goes to jump a gorge. Let's see how it goes. And he makes it! Woo! And he calls it 14 feet. That's, that's, like, super Olympic long jump distances, honestly. Um...
1: I, I'm telling you, superheroes, athletes are <laughs> absolutely superheroes.
0: Seems reasonable. So after he makes the jump, Luigi isn't bothered. You know, he's like, he'll get Mike eventually. Not He's not even bothered when the rednecks realize that he is the one who killed the dog. And so he's forced to kill like all of them in a second with a stolen pistol, which is pretty amazing.
1: I think he's it's probably why he rolled up his sleeves like he just got he was just itching for murder he's just like you know what i'll just force the issue gotta like, murder anything. somebody
0: you know um, yeah. he uh, gets back to his car and finds something under a rock as he goes to find mike meanwhile mike finds an old hunting lodge and sets a trap for luigi filling his clothes with newspaper and leaving the, the body on the road so he can get the ger- the drop on the killer they,
1: Round 2 of taking the car from your enemy.
0: Yeah. They pile into the vehicle and he tapes his gun to Luigi's head and demands that Luigi drive to San Francisco and Vito Scarlatti. And it's kind of funny cuz like he tapes the gun so that like Vito can't like uh like like hit him or like try to get him take the gun off his head but like man you're gonna drive through one town and a local cop's gonna see you driving with a gun at somebody's head and you're gonna be in trouble that's what i'm saying certainly
1: a bold move (laughs) i mean as opposed to just taking the car i he he stole a bus at one point full of
0: people yeah we know he can drive (laughs) he drove that bus why can't he just drive the car i guess he doesn't want to leave luigi behind him or something like that but um,
1: why not? You have a car. It's super, yeah.
0: Understand. No, I agree. It's the whole thing. Um, It's a long way to go to San Francisco. They drive through Kansas and into the desert, apparently skipping the Rockies completely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Luigi goes to check the map in his glove box, when then reveals what he found earlier, which is a freaking rattlesnake. That, uh, that would
1: be a pretty terrifying thing to find, I have yeah. to admit. I would be expected for my tape to gun to the head... Uh, scenario as well. Definitely. We that's one
0: loophole. Yeah, that snake's been in that uh glove compartment for like two days or something. So that's probably pretty pissed. Um yeah. Mike Hadn't throws heard it before
1: then? Yeah. You don't hear a rattlesnake just h- hanging out? I mean No nah, I guess one, not. I guess. Yeah, who
0: knows? maybe put a silencer on the rat on the <laughs> rattle or something.
1: He is an expert with all sorts of weapons.
0: I mean he's a mom assassin. He's got silencers. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike tosses the snake out of the car and Luigi tosses him out. Mike comes to, strapped to a bed in Colorado Springs. Luigi has brought him to face-to-face with Don Scarlatti. So here are those mountains I was talking about, whatever. There they are. Yeah. <laughs> but before Don Scarlatti, uh, Scarlatti can say anything, his eyes bug out, and he has a heart attack. Um,
1: but he's there for his health.
0: Yeah, it's he crazy. He's be fine. Yeah. Um, in his, like, delirious state he calls for his son and the nearby goons grab Alec to impersonate Vito
1: I do love here though that they call this the heartbeat machine
0: <laughs> I mean you know I feel like there's gotta be an official name for that <laughs> yeah I, but I feel like the, the terminology hasn't passed around enough like you know I don't know if like the flatline concept is like like strong enough in people's minds that you can just sort of discuss that, that you can just sort of re- uh, refer to that yet you kind of have to give it some context I think
1: It's just, I just love the nurse calling it the heartbeat machine. Yeah, definitely. The
0: the, the scientific term. Yeah, it's like the EKG or something like that. Um, So Mike asks his uh, quote unquote father, um, he wants to tell him a secret. And so the Don demands that the room be clear. And they're like, hey, don't try nothing funny to hurt the Don or anything. Um, Instead, Mike uses this opportunity to jump out the window and escape into the frozen tundra.
1: Pretty hell that's a hell of a blend, actually.
0: Yeah. He lampshades the fact that like if this is a spy movie, he just strap on these skis and escape with those, but he doesn't know how to use use skis, so he's sort of tough. Um instead he finds a bob sleigh and steals that to ride down the mountain.
1: Which, yeah, it's a, as they point out, it's a four-man bobsled. So this is the more feasible <laughs> plan. Right. They, he, he can't ski, but he can operate something that, for four people to operate. I mean, it's, I wonder, yeah, I, although I don't know
0: how much, like, the all the dudes in the bobsled do something. Because I feel like some of those guys are mostly there to, like, for to push at the start and then be there for weight or something like that. But I just I, love I, I the know.
1: contrast of, like, that being... He's like, yeah. well, that would be ridiculous for me to do this, so I'll do this, and then people me up and being like, wait, this is ridiculous. Why is I, he definitely, doing that? Yeah, I
0: definitely feel like I don't know how to steer a bobsled or anything like that. <laughs> um, yeah. But so he fights as he goes down the hill, including fighting crazy Luigi, who falls off the sleigh and onto his own axe!
1: Hey, he must be dead. We don't see him again. Gotta so. assume
0: that he's dead. Definitely not gonna assume he's got now angry with a crazy scar on his face. Anyhow... Yeah. <laughs> the uh two mafia ski troops going after um might after might get caught in the grinders of a snow eater and get like all chummed up and stuff which is pretty cool
1: because we learned that a four-man bobsled is easier to maneuver by one person than people on skis
0: seems reasonable mike escapes He's learned that Vito is hanging out at Franco's place in San Francisco. He continues traveling. He hitchhikes a bit and ends up camping out in the petrified forest. That night, he hears Strange chanting, What's going on? Next time, Carter meets the man with the tattooed face.
1: So probably like a biker or something.
0: Yeah, or like a, like a SoundCloud rapper, maybe? Ooh, It'll be interesting yeah. to see, yeah
1: one of those like wild desert parties you know
0: yeah yeah he, he found burning man oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> anyhow hey man that's it for uh, our coverage of action seven through nine man wow time flies and these, these are
1: these stories are getting wild i i really yeah. love that. some of these stories they're like- definitely
0: like finding their stride <laughs> and like telling like fun like like compact stories and stuff.
1: Alright, should we move into...
0: Yeah, a, the one, one question remains, which is, what were your top and bottom stories? Okay. Uh, so,
1: there. I mean, there's so much crazy stuff going on, and, like, Hookjaw like, really is jumping the shark, but I think I'm gonna have to go with... <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go with Running Man again. Like, I'm just so absorbed in this crazy story, like, there are all these interesting twists, and... He just shows, keeps showing like all these crazy, like this just this ever expanding skill (laughs) set. Like, he's just at the end of it. I mean, a lot of it just comes down to him. It's like he's thinking on his feet. Like, yeah, he's the athletic ability is what make lets him execute it, but it's always him coming up with some like weird or interesting idea about how to like navigate the situation that I felt, I don't know, I just find it really interesting. His problem solving set is kind of his defining trait in this. Yeah. And his athletic ability is the the execution side of it. But he's like he's outwitting all these all these people and yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really starting to get super invested in this character. I'm nice. really enjoying it. Yeah.
0: That's a cool and, take um, for sure. And, and what's uh, your what's your bottom now? Oh man!
1: So, I mean, coffin sub's out of the running, <laughs> um, and and I'm just I I mean I'm I know this is I'm getting a little repetitive here, but <laughs> like so you drop is just driving me insane. But like for once, I actually have it as a tie with coffin sub because I see Alec finally starting to show some signs of being fed up with the situation. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, coffin sub, like ending in a spectacular suicide. <laughs> when I was really, I was really pulling for this comic to, you know, show some, something brighter for this character, show some, like, some chance of redemption or healing, yeah. like some, like, maybe some bonds form with the crew as he actually continues to save them issue after issue. And then it just ends so horribly. Actually, no, I, I just talked myself out of it. I am going to choose coffin sub this week over. It was such a, it was such a huge letdown. And at the same time, I am happy that they resolve the story, regardless of how disappointing it is. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see what they come up with next. Uh, How about you?
0: Oh man, so um, I think for my top, I'm gonna say Dredger this month. Yeah. Um, or this episode, man, I really liked like the big car chase one with the plane and stuff. Um, the uh, the stuff with the with the with the with, with um, the Chinese gunship and things that was kind of fun. And then I really liked this final fight where they just take everybody down and there's crosses and double crosses and a bear trap getting caught in some guy's face and stuff. That's totally. really. Neat. Like yeah, just, those
1: action scenes and those one-liners are really rounding in the form. Like, it yeah.
0: is no, some act, good yeah. stuff right now. <laughs> it's Yeah, everyone is just sort of like the middle part of an action movie, basically. So And I, and I really appreciate that. Um, for my bottom, I'm going to say play till you drop this this, this time. Oh, um, well, we flipped! Yeah, we f- totally flipped, man. That's how it goes. But, like, I really feel like, especially this, this time, these three issues... Um, Man, they just it feels like the same thing every um every time. Like totally. Grice comes in, threatens Alec, Alec is pissed, then Alec like they play the soccer game and they win, but Alec has has feelings about it, you know? Like right it really feels like basically like there's it doesn't feel like the story's advancing it just feels like we're sort of spinning our wheels a little bit with and that's sort of the biggest sin for me is i just want to kind of you know we got to expand things or something some new wrinkle has to come and like i feel like we got that a little bit at the end when grice asked alec to like throw the game and stuff but yeah we didn't see enough of the you know we haven't seen the consequences for it yet and it just feels like ah like you know i'm ready for to get to finish this one up i guess
1: no, I hear you. And I, I, have, I think I've said it a few times, I get frustrated with the other characters who yeah. seem so variable. Like, they flip-flop so hard from issue to issue. Like, their loyalties change constantly. And it's just... it's. Alex surrounded by a bunch of children and making childish decisions in response to like childish bullying I don't
0: (laughs) yeah I wish they'd honestly I I wish they'd done more with like the sponsorship deal you know they talk about that a lot with his like uh, deal with Slicka or whatever but like it'd be interesting to sort of talk about like sort of like how that changes him as a player and stuff we see it a little bit but not that much so I'm sort of you know it feels like a missed opportunity almost.
1: Yeah, one issue they take away his practice suit, the next issue they give him shoes.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, like we don't want you to represent our brand. Represent our brand in this way. Yeah. Hey, why aren't you representing our brand hard enough? It's true. It's...
0: <laughs> yeah, they're very fickle for sure. And it's oh, just like yeah. just
1: like that throughout. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Still having a ton of fun. I I really want to see what happens when Alex are pushed to the breaking point here. I think it's, we're approaching that point. So Yeah,
0: definitely for sure. Oh man, awesome. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Uh, feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com in the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter at SpaceSpinner2K. Everything else, with Space 2000 and we'll be there. Then come back next time as uh, Play Till You Drop, Sports Not for Losers, and Hookjaw reach their conclusions. Though you can't keep a good shark down. Hookjaw will be back. Um. <laughs> and we'll begin another football story with lookout for Lefty, and get get some combat jealousy with the story Green's Grudge War.
1: Ooh, interesting!
0: Yeah, plus uh dredger is in color. The running man goes to Hollywood, and Hellman hangs out in Africa. Until then, we are Conrad and Jason. We're better known as Space Spinner Reaction, and we'll see you next time. Splendid, for three.